Welcome back, everybody, to the Cave of Solitude, your pop culture and comic book podcast coming to you from the megacity metropolis of Toronto. I'm your host, Eric Anthony, and this is episode 258, Top 5 Series for Brand New Readers. So, Mr. Dave Molyneux, welcome back to the Cave of Solitude, where I'm never alone. Thank you for keeping me company. <laughs> it's for, the, for some reason, this is the first time when you said that, and I thought, it's not technically solitude. <laughs> no, no. I got the worst back cave, where I just let everyone come. Like, come, come, let me show you. Let me show you where I hide, where I want to be left alone. This is the spot. <laughs> You've got a smiley face, Mr. Laughing Man. Come on in. Yeah, exactly. Um, how's it going? What's what's new and exciting on your end? Oh man, what isn't? Uh, still, still kind of rejigging the old Marvel Comics guide at the moment, um, which has gone down really, really well. Response has been brilliant. Um, trying to do some new stuff that's ex- kind of exclusive to the different channels that support it and stuff and, and just trying to find time between all that to read some goddamn comics yeah yeah I was I've been in the same boat like after we had our fan expo here um, just before it and the week after I barely read anything and it felt so weird that I'm just like I, I just don't have the either the energy or the excitement. Have you ever in, have you ever read something that is you know it's good? Like you've read it and like that was good. But man, to get through and maybe because I'm reading things in omnibus and compendium form, it's like, man, there's a lot to read though. I don't know if I want to stay or stick around this world for that long. Have you ever gone through that? Yeah, it's funny because like at the moment I'm going through a real short take phase. You yeah. know, I yeah. like this thing of being able to go, I want to just hop into this. Yeah. And then I just I want a complete thing and then I want to leave. Yeah. And I think a part of it is just that hangover from that 30, 30 plus year Marvel thing that went on and then the DC thing and then that kind of trailed off as well. Now I just want to go, I need a, I need a hit. I need a hit. And when it's done, I want to know that I, it was good. Yeah. <laughs> so basically sound like I'm a, one of the cast of train spotting. <laughs> Just need another hat. <laughs> right. Terrible Scottish accent. Sorry about that, everyone in Scotland. <laughs> All of our Scottish fans. Yeah, I was, I've been reading a couple of like, I don't want to, heavy hitters in the sense that they're dense books. So one was Fables. Okay. That's a lot of story there. It's good stuff, but it's a lot, right? So many characters, mm-hmm. so many subplots. You, you've often like, whoa, what was that again? Why is that important? And it's done so brilliantly, but it's a lot, right? And so I was reading yeah, that. And huge. then at the same time, I started reading Starman Compendium, mm-hmm. which is, again, very dense. James Robinson, you see that he's got a lot to say. And I love it because I'm like, this is so cool that he was – trying to do this stuff in the mid 90s and it's not that yeah. the, it's not that the art is that like what's the word not beefcake but that that typical marvel bikini clad sexualized art that uh-huh. wasn't the art of starman it was the dialogue no. it was the 
it was the 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 things they would refer to and talk about. You're like, this is cool. This has got some taste, yeah. right? It's it's like a Vertigo book set in the DC universe, exactly. Because it's that art style, the the conversation that happens. Because it's all about that dialogue and the relationships, and it's about his whole thing with his with his dad and that feeling like he's got to carry that mantle forward. I can't even remember who he fights. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm halfway through. I can't remember who he fights because I mean, obviously there are some key characters, but even mentioning them is potential spoiler if someone hasn't hasn't read it. But it's just not. It's not about that really it's just about those characters and that you can see that growth happen when you read it in succession like we like we're doing now in a, in a book you know rather than over the course of a few years you really get to appreciate that that progression i think that little bit more yeah i think yeah and so i'm I, i'm reading that which is just as much story like it's so heavy in it's very rich in story, mm. right? Fables and then this. And it's it's not... Starman is dark. The art is dark. Everything about it, you feel like you're always in a shadow, right? Yeah. Fables is, is clearly brighter, but it's like the shadowy version of fairy tales. And, I, and yeah. it was just like, I feel like I can't get through anything. As much as these are good, I feel like I can't get through it. I'm not reading anything. Because you're used to with a comic book, like, just throw them over your shoulder. Well, that was great, uh-huh. right? These are like pros. And then I don't know if you've—I um, know you have it, the copy. But have you read the Christopher Priest Deathstroke? Not yet. No, <sighs> that's heavy. I've read it. I've read about seven issues. Yeah, and it was heavy. And I, that's when I thought, like, I need to read this in one sitting, basically. I'm almost done. Wow, I'm, really? I'm almost finished. I think I'm at the last six issues of it. And oh, geez, wow. That's good going. It, it, but again, I went, I took a pause from this and I went to Starman. So I was going between this darkness and the Starman. And I'm just like, I need, like, I need to get, I want to finish one of these things and get the hell out of all of this darkness <laughs> and just read some stupid Spider Man swinging across New York or something. But yeah, the Deathstroke, nice. it's, it's. Not Craven's last time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say that Spider Man could be pretty depressing too. Um, but, but, uh, this Deathstroke run, I don't know what to make of it. Really? It's sophisticated. Uh Uh-huh. So what we're going to talk about today on our our episode, I would, this wouldn't be one of my recommends to a new reader. Yeah. I mean, that is the, that's, that's the, being the focus is, is quite a tricky one when you're thinking like, what would I give? to someone that's never read comics before. And there are so many things that you go, that is amazing. Like, I think Invisibles is amazing, but there are even people that have read comics for years I wouldn't recommend they even try it. Right. Um, And there's some things that experiment quite a lot, and you know they're great because you're comfortable with the medium. And then, you you know, once you've kind of, you can understand how comics work. Right. um, Then you can kind of progress to that other stuff. Okay, let's let's do something really, really geeky right now, just as an experiment, and okay. it'll 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 kind of prove the point if we're somewhere in the same ballpark the way I think we're gonna be. Okay, on the count of three, let's both say what our favorite Avengers story is. 
I'm a kid. Like, just what comes to mind. Like, that one's a good one. Like, that is one that needs to be on the shelf. Okay. Okay? So, we'll try. Let's just see what happens. One, two, three. Avengers Forever. Under Siege. Okay. And I would have I would have said Under Siege, too. And, and I know I'm that you... I'm surprised I didn't say Avengers Forever. God. See? So, that is a great Avengers story. Yeah. And so is Under Siege. But that shouldn't be the first one you read. No, neither should be. Should they? I think. I think like even people that have read a little bit of Avengers or a, a sizable chunk still probably shouldn't read Avengers Forever. Yeah. No, you won't. You won't. You won't get why it is what it is. You may. No. You may, but you you probably won't. You gotta first develop some type of um, a basic affection for these characters. And know something a, a little bit about them in a in a more of a rudimentary story about them yeah. to then yeah. say, oh, I know why you know I know that's important to Cap or oh uh-huh. right I know why seeing Thor would be a big deal. Yeah. Right. Whereas if that's your yeah. first one, you're like, I don't get it. These <laughs> right. It's like a Saturday morning yeah. cartoon. Yeah. It's no exactly. It's it's. With those, I think with those, there is, even though everyone's got to start somewhere, um, and they're probably when, when people did start wherever they started, they were going, I don't 100% get what's going on it's here. True, that's true. Um, when you go back and read it, you can kind of go, ah, I get it, I get it now. Um, but yeah, that's one of the issues, I think, which is with mainstream comics, isn't it, really? There is so much history. Where do, we could probably do a completely different chat through of, like, where would you start reading yeah, yeah, we, sh- we, we should definitely do that. <laughs> for, those, for those tuning in to, to, the, uh, to this podcast, or maybe the first time, and listening to me and Dave talk, this is like um, the high fidelity of comic book conversations. That's how I put it, where we, we go through our favorite top fives, this, uh, that jargon, like this is what we do here. So I hope you guys, if you guys know that movie or that book, you know what we mean. Um, this is going to be fun because we're going to do our, our top five graphic novels or comic books, however you want to put it, for entry-level comic book readers. That is not yeah. a succinct way to, to describe what we're going to do, <laughs> but top five for beginners. Yeah, top five, what was it? Top five collected editions for people that have never read a comic before. That's good. Look at that. You see? Brilliant, <laughs> as the English would say. Uh, I kind of did something like this. <laughs> I kind of did something like this on one of those road reports I did like almost 100 episodes ago where I kind of talked about where people could jump on and some books that I recommended to my cousin who I wanted to – She was, she's in her 50s and I wanted to see if I could get her to enjoy a comic, comic book. Yeah. She's, and she's open-minded enough to give it a try. So did she, do it? she did. She read a couple and she was enjoying it. Um, I don't think it necessarily convinced her to get into the hobby, but it made her appreciate what could be done with it, like why it's cool, right? Yeah. Oh, cool. Incidentally, have any of the ones that you recommended, are they on this list? Yes. For you? They are? Okay. Yes. Cool. Yes. So I'm going to try to be the gentleman now and say... You go ahead with your first pick. I want you to have first uh, first 
dab at it. Okay, I'll be the lady. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, my, my first, it was the first thing that came to mind, funnily enough. Um, and I was quite surprised. But it's Batman Year One, which seems really, really obvious in a lot of ways. But, I mean, I'm not even a huge Frank Miller fan necessarily, but Batman Year One is a, is a self-contained, four-issue um, story. It's the origin of, of basically the, the first time out, you know, not really the, it does touch on the origins, doesn't it? But it is um, it's Bruce Wayne's return to Gotham. So he kind of becomes the crime fighter that he will be. This is what it says, year one. I don't think it takes place over a year, though. Does it? I'm, I'm not no, 100% sure, back of my head. I think it's probably like a few months. Yeah. it's on, That was on my list. Was it? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, because I was trying, I wanted to, sorry to go on a tangent, but I wanted to try to see like, if I had to go, if, if it was a Marvel book, what would that Marvel book be? If it was a DC book, like what would, which would be the entry ones for each of these things, yeah. right? Uh, if it was an independent, like how can I make it as diverse and inclusive in every which way, right? Mm-hmm. That would work for any reader, gender, age, all of that. So year one was on that list because that Mezzichelli art is so wonderful, wonderfully easy to follow and understand yeah, how you're supposed to beautiful. feel about it, right? There's a, there's a timelessness to it. Yeah, it kind of feels like it's it's right. It's like when you watch the you know when the first um, what's his name the director Tim Burton when the first Tim Burton film came out mm-hmm. Batman. Um, and it was kind of, it had that Art Deco kind yeah. of noirish feel. Yeah. So it felt like it was kind of in the past, but it felt like it was in a, maybe slightly in the future. You know, it's kind of, it could be now. You could watch it now and it still works. And I think with year one, it's the same. It feels, because it's got that kind of Alex, this Toth kind of feel to the artwork, which is really old school. Um, but it's that darkness and the shadows and that familiarity where actually a lot of this could be taking place now. I mean, there's no mobile phones in it and, the, and whatever, but otherwise it works. And it was written in, what, 1986, I think? I think it came out in 86. And I mean, yeah, to, to pick a, a DC book and an iconic character from, from an origin story perspective, I think year one is easily one of the strongest and it's still strong, you know? I've, <clears throat> I've read Man of Steel twice. Sorry. I read Man's Still in the 90s and thought, oh, is it right? And then I read it a year or two ago, I think, when I started doing my DC read-through. It's just not aged very well. I just don't think it's aged very well. And I'm not sure what Superman origin I'd, I'd even recommend. But with, with year one, every time I've read it, I've absolutely loved it. And if someone said to me, as punishment for something, you've got to sit and read that book again, it's like, fine, okay, give me. And like, I could read it immediately afterwards and probably still get other things from it and notice stuff I didn't notice when I last read it. It's And it's such a surprising story, like in terms of that focus on, it almost revolves more around Gordon than it revolves around Bruce. It's an incredibly, it's such an incredible story because it, it really goes to show when a master, and I know people have different views on Frank Miller and all that kind of stuff, but when a person is at, is at the, peak of their powers and they're collaborating 
Because the key also to this story is the Mazzucchelli art, not just the Frank Miller yeah. script. The two of them together, just like they did with um, Born Again. Yeah. That economy of space and how much story you get out of year one with it being a great Gordon story, like you just mentioned. You get the mafioso element of Gotham, which yeah. it, it, it it's a very cool element to see Batman fighting that initially. You know, it makes total sense. And it and it adds so many spokes to the tire that is only in four issues. Yeah, it's it's shocking that it's four issues. I think it's, if they did it now, it'd probably be a twelve issue mini. Yep. Or or you know an eight parter or something. You and know, I don't even think I don't even think the Joker is in it. I don't think any. I think if I remember rightly, at the end, they hint at the Joker with a card, like they did in. Um, Batman Begins. The first Chris Nolan film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm and fairly I th- certain. And I think that's why that's why that book also works because people, most people, really like the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, the first two mm. especially. And yeah. so this book is so familiar to that version that they may already be familiar with, and and sort of like that's the one that comes to mind now when it comes to Batman movies. Mm. And it's such a good companion piece. It is. It's. It's. Um, and it's such a. It's a relatively easy read, not in a kind of a patronizing way, but it's like you say about that economy of it, and and like it's not overwritten. We compare it to the Dark Knight Returns, which I wouldn't recommend at all. Dark Knight Returns at all. It's just like it's overwritten and it's scrappy and it's a mess. And it, even though it was set in a future, it feels so incredibly dated. And then you look at Year One. And it's, it just, it just feels so kind. If someone told me that was written recently, I'd totally believe them. Yeah. Because I think the best way to do Batman, which we haven't, I don't think we've seen in a long time, is to make him be out of, out of time in a way. And I think the, the animated series, Batman the animated series, really captured what Tim Burton was going for, where he was clearly he had all this special technology at his disposal, right? So he's not out of time, but it's almost like you are in, um, you know, Cuba where all the cars are from the fifties and, and, and you still are like these, these, uh, what's that word? The, the way Bullock and, and all the detectives are like, they're from an era of like that, that, prohibition era type of detective yeah right it's very kind of noir feeling isn't it and yeah like the, the detective side of it is very noir and yeah as and that's when like that never gets old it's never outdated it's like that's why batman and even a character like daredevil i think that's why they are these very i don't know they're these characters that kind of stay in um what's that word amber Kind of yeah. staying in amber, where even when they're off track, it's very easy to bring them back. Yeah, and I think they both have that element of mystery as well. And it doesn't matter how much time passes; we all love a mystery. Even if you say like, "I hate, I hate that," when I don't know what's going on. No, you love a mystery. Like seriously, but who doesn't? Right. It's that thing of being surprised, and like the whole thing that he's Batman's always investigating. So, and in this, I don't think it's the detective element. This is strong and it's also that you don't see him in costume for a lot of it um 
it's either just the last issue or the last two. Um, but the moments the count. Head. The moments are so iconic that once you've seen yeah. it, once you once you like you never unsee that. There's a lot of ba- really cool Batman panels that I I've forgotten, but that one there when when he crashes that party. That's that's <laughs> like that's the a badass Batman moment. That was yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, good pick. Now I gotta go to my alternative list and and see what I'm gonna go with. Okay, so I kind of spoiled it um, when we were taught when we began this conversation, but um, I feel like Paper Girls is a easy entryway comic where you you will want to continue no you you'll want to continue the journey to be like what the heck is going on because you you become quickly invested in in wanting to know and you become attached to the characters very fast yeah it's it's funny cuz the paper girls nearly made my list um because for that very reason there was a part of me that the reason why I didn't put it on the list funny enough is because I thought like the time travel element mhm could potentially be confusing for some people, but actually, like the way they handled time travel in the story is so smart, and it feels right, and to the point where you don't go, "Wait a minute, how would that?" Ha-? It it feels like it fits together nicely. So, as an adventure story, regardless of the time travel, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's just a great adventure comic um, that that just pulls you right the way through it's like I can't stop now of course I've got to go and make the dinner but like oh, I'm happy to starve like, <laughs> and everyone else can starve too I need to find out what happens next there's, there's, I don't think I've read anything on that level for quite some time because um, what how many issues is it it's about 36 I think uh, 30. Thir- yeah, somewhere like that yeah 30 to 36 we yeah. could check since we have computers all around. No, it doesn't matter. <laughs> we didn't do our research. We just... Yeah. No, but but it's, it was one of those um, series where when the trade came out, I, I snatched it up immediately. And I would sometimes reread the previous trade to try to, yeah. you know, get back that investment because I knew it was kind of worth it. And – to be honest with you, I just remember the journey. I don't even remember the payoff at the end of it all because I know that's, you know, for some like, oh, the ending was so good. I don't even, I remember it vaguely. But I, I what I do remember is that it was an example of what a lot of people want out of comics today. It was an example of it being done so right and none of it feeling forced. None of it, feel, you know, it was just... It, it, it appealed to all of our nostalgia. If you like Stranger Things, if you like The Goonies, if you like, yeah. you know, uh, Back to the Future. Like the Navigator, things like that. All yeah. of those the type of things, right, where you, you were on this adventure as kids and you encounter yourself when you're older, like everything. Remembering yeah. video games, remembering the music, being in the future to be like, whoa, that's crazy. And, and how would I deal with that? Like, it's a fun yeah. ride. It's a really fun ride. Yeah, it really is. Like, it's it's a genuinely exciting comic to read. And it's funny, like, when people people have said to me, like, do you get, 
do you get that excitement? You know, it's like with jump scares in horror films, it doesn't work in comics. I, I read one recently that tried to do that. Like, this doesn't, I turned the page, <laughs> doesn't work. But with this, it's like, I'm, I'm, I was jumping on my seat. I'm literally just, right, I'm bringing my legs up. I'm, I'm like, I've got to see what's happening. I've got to see what's happening. Yeah. And like, it's genuine excitement from turning pages in a book. That's what comics are about. Um, and it does it perfectly. And there's very little else I think, like I'm annoyed myself almost for not having it on this because it is such a good example of comics done right. Yeah. And I feel like recommending that to somebody wouldn't be, um, what's the word? Like you'll want to have these six little books on your shelf once it's done. Like you won't regret it because they're just, even it's just cool to look at because the art, yeah. Cliff Chang's art, it's like a perfect marriage with the whole aesthetic of the story. Whereas when yeah. with, with his uh, Wonder Woman, his, his story's great, but it's almost like he was built to draw this story. Yeah. If that makes it. It is a perfect fit. I yeah. mean, it's, it's beautifully simple as yes. well. Yes. You know, the designs are, are really, they still feel futuristic but it doesn't feel mind-blowing like in terms of, imagine jim lee doing it and it would just be like blade runner and it wouldn't be enjoyable know? no it, it wouldn't would... be the same feeling at all because it's all about spectacle and like this isn't about spectacle this is about character um and again that's why it works as a combination of creators that's why it works because it's it is all about the focus on those characters and why you start to care about those characters. And then with those moments where something happens to them and you go, no, 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 no. And then you go like, I didn't realize I cared that much about, <laughs> about these characters or that particular character. Yeah. And that's the moment when you do and you realize you're hurt. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm definitely interested in getting that compendium where all of it is together. Cause I yeah, love that. That looks really nice. I love, I love that series. It deserves all the accolades, in my opinion, all the accolades that uh, it received. Um, next for you. I think it makes sense to go with the one that, so something took Paper Girl's spot and it was Saga. And even though I've actually only read the first three books of Saga, um, it's not finished either. It's it's like halfway through. It's nine books in and it's halfway through. So it's a it's kind of a big commitment. They have done the compendium edition. But in terms of in terms of what comics can do that other mediums can't, to me, Saga shows that. Again, it's Brian K. Bourne um, writing, same as Paper Girls, but it's it's a whole different thing like it just and I can't imagine them turning it into apparently they are turning it into a TV series and when I, when I read that I thought oh, I don't think I want to see that ever um, but it's just that mishmash of science fiction which I've never really been a fan of you know in, in its core sense and fantasy which I've never been a fan of in its core sense they've put them together and again made it about character and one of the things that's, that's great about it you talk about that kind of does it work with different ages? Saga's very much an adult series. It's the point where, like, one issue was banned, I think, because there was some pretty graphic stuff on the TV screen face of Prince Robot the Fourth. Um, was he the ninth? I'm trying to remember. I can't do Roman numerals. Dyslexia doesn't work. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, I think what it is is that like Brian, Brian K. Vaughan's always testing. Oh no, I've had a total blank on a name. But he's always testing the artist, basically. Fiona Staples. See, like, it's Fiona Staples, isn't it? Thank you. Um, You're welcome. He's, he's always testing it to see, like, she's so nice, apparently. So, like, I'm going to see if she'll actually draw this. And she does. Right, right. <laughs> like, every time. She's kind of like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to back down. I'm going to do it. So what is she? Yeah, there was there was basically a um, Bukaki scene. Oh, jeez, I have on the it. screen. He's got a screen face. Right, right, and right. It's really brief, but it's literally just it shows what's going on in his in his head. Okay. So he'll okay. say other things, but the screen will always show how he's really feeling. Right, um, right, right. And then at one point, that's obviously what he's thinking. About. <laughs> oh. I I haven't. I tried Saga. And I gave up real quick. Did you? Yeah. I probably should revisit it. But when I saw the, I don't know. I don't know what it was. It was There was a, so much hype about it. Like, if you weren't reading Saga, then you didn't like comics was what it made you feel like. And I just didn't, I don't know. I saw the two TVs doing their thing early. <laughs> and I'm just like, I don't know. It just wasn't for me. Fair enough. But... I don't know, mate. I'd got. I'd have to really give it a, a proper read. To, yeah, to just don't do it on a bus. Yeah, no, that <laughs> I know, right? It's weird. It was just this is weird, and this is why it's good. But um, I'd probably, if I gave it a, an objective approach to it, I could probably recognize really what all the, the hubbub is about. But so that would be the, Yeah, I guess for an adult reader. Do you think you think that would be an easy an easy sell? Like people would be coming back real quick. Yeah, the reason why I even bring it up as an example is it's one of the first things I gave my wife to read. Okay, okay, and that brought her in. Ah, and it really really worked. And I think one of the things that it, the reasons why I pick it is normally the reason why I would have picked something like Preacher, which is what I used to choose. Right, is that it does show what comics are capable of. You know, it does, and that's not just about the art or the, you know, that you can have a sealed character stood next to a, a cyclops with it, you know. It's it's great that there's that level of imagination. That's just another layer to it. It's the character stuff as well. And also that it is very adult. Whereas I think a lot of people, especially in this country, I think pe- people still think comics are for kids. Um, and it just shows that, you know, you can have that kind of sci-fi thing or the, or the fantasy thing and it not be for children. Mm. Um, yeah. And I think the, the character stuff is great. And when you, when you let yourself kind of get into it, it is fantastic. But yeah, in hindsight, I kind of wish I'd chosen Paper Girls because it's a better option. <laughs> <laughs> well, you took my, my Batman year one. <laughs> I did. I thought what I said, a bastard, I, <laughs> I said he's going to have Paper Girls on his list. He's gonna have it for sure. I gotta think of a bunch of yeah. Um, my next pick would be uh, again. I'm I'm not in the universe of the superhero universe yet, but um, it's a book that I feel it pulls off a lot of things that are would be very difficult. But I can't imagine it being better if it wasn't in a comic format, which is. Um, John Lewis's autobiography of March. Uh-huh. And it it's factual. 
it's historical, it's relevant, and it's just filled with so much information that I feel is very useful. And Nate Powell's art continues that story that is heartwarming, heartbreaking, just going through that entire era. I can't imagine different artwork and Andrew Iden, the you know, writing the script for John Lewis, who he worked closely with. Yeah. It's it's a very special series that uh, you don't even have to like comic books to. I don't feel you need to like the comic book medium to appreciate the brilliance of that book. No, I think I mean again, it's like in terms of of it being the right medium for the story, it absolutely is. It's funny because it was one that's that sat on my shelf because I got the box set and it sat on my shelf. God, I don't know. It could have been... I think I got it before... Did it even come out before my first child was born? I had it for years. Wow. She's seven now. And because it's one of those things you go, like, I know this is going to be heavy. I know it's going to be good, but I know it's going to be heavy. Um, whereas if it was given to me and recommended to me, I would have picked it up. And, I, and like when I did read it, it was just... It's heartbreaking. It's shocking. It... It's, it's inoffensive. I don't think there's any kind of adult language in it or anything. Um, but it's it's so emotive. Like, it's it's a tough read. And, like, you know, you, you're reading this thing. Like, I was in tears reading this book. Just shocked at how, what happens. I had no idea, you know. I had no idea about that that history and what he experienced. And it's why I got so frustrated with um, the Umbrella Academy. Um. When they the TV series when they, they set it during that period and then one of them becomes violent. We paused. Oh, no, 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 we're here. We're here. We're good. I'm, oh, I'm just, just I'm intently listening to you. Um, oh, that's all right. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's interesting that it all, so much of that story was new to you. I think we take it for granted here that, uh, again, not a lot of people know that history thoroughly, but, the the Martin Luther King and I had a dream and and everything that went down during that time it's very iconic, especially with the last couple of years what it's been like here. But my I bought that yeah. book initially for my wife because she was um, she's very interested in the civil rights era history, all the different factions and groups and the positions that they had and and just seeing the. Jackie Robinson story, just people that are very resilient in the face of adversity. She loves stories like that. So I, I saw this book, flipped through it. It looked like a, a very well, well-produced comic, but that you were going to get meat out of it. You know, it wasn't just like, a, what's the word? Some things are like a summary. Yeah. This was rich in story. And yeah. Very much so. She just wasn't. She was in love with the series. Became in love with the man, like John Lewis, the person. Um, we, I, I told you this story, I think, before, where we went to happened to be in New York City, where they had a, a indie comic fest, and Andrew Iden and Nate Powell were there. We got to meet them and interview them, and it was real special. So that that book is sentimental to me, but I, it's also um, just a something that kids should be reading in school. It's that good. Yeah. I think that was the thinking, wasn't it? Because uh, um, comics were, were, were big, um, definitely in the 60s, 70s. With those, there's, 
you know, a, a large audience, a large black audience uh, reading comics, you know, from that accessibility point of view, when not everyone had a lot of money and comics were affordable. Um, yeah, and it's, it's, it makes sense for him to have chosen that, that medium. So, I, yeah, and I'm glad he did because from that accessibility point, you know, it's, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's that artwork as well is just so perfectly chosen. It's one of those things with, so don't they work directly with John Lewis? Wasn't Andrew Iden? Did they both work with him? Andrew Iden, um, was part of I don't know if it was his he was his assistant but he worked closely with him as he traveled and went different places and when he was part of what's interesting about the story is that when they were trying to come up with a way to tell John Lewis's biography whether it was in a book form a movie they were all in the you know his his room with having a meeting about it and Andrew Iden who was a longtime comic book fan he goes why don't we do it in a graphic novel and everyone laughed at him except for John Lewis and John Lewis said why are you guys laughing he goes you know how I learned about Martin Luther King because I found a comic book about him that was the first place I ever saw something about him because he wasn't a comic book fan for the rest of his life but had it not been for a comic book about Martin Luther King he may not have joined that whole movement so I think because of that connection he said let's do it that way yeah that's very cool. Don't be afraid really to say cool. what you like sometimes, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because it might be the right idea. Again, though, it shows how dismissive people are about, yeah. about this medium. Yeah. Um, and don't really fully understand it. Um, but it'd be interesting to say how many of those people in that room have read March. Right, right, exactly. No, March is a good one. Um, you're next. Go ahead. Well, I have to cross that off my list. Ah, uh, I said Paper Girls in March. Those are on his <laughs> list. Since you didn't pick them, said I'm taking them. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wish I kind of had more indie stuff, but I'm actually um, going to go with a Marvel choice, and it's Matt Fraction's Matt Fraction David Ayers Hawkeye. That was on my list too. <laughs> See, that was an al- alternate. That was going to be brought into the game, but go ahead. Okay. Good pick. Um, I think one of the, the great things about this Hawkeye series is, again, it's not just about the fact that character, the character writing is so strong and that relationship between uh, Clint and Kate is just brilliant because they kind of don't like each other very much. So it's like seeing their relationship grow and change and actually diverge at some points. Um, plus having that that support cast and like Clint's brother and the tracksuit Draculas and it's just brilliant. But one of the, the best things about it is that I think there was one issue where they used basically used sign to talk to each other, Clint and his brother. So there was so much experimentation that Fraction did in that series. So I mean, as a as a first read for somebody, it's self-contained. It's twenty two issues plus an annual, but you can get it all in one book or you can get it in two books or however, you know, there's a number of ways to get it in just a couple of volumes or one volume. Um, and then when, once it's done, it's done. And you can carry on, but you don't have to. So you feel like you've read a whole story. Yeah. Um, but it's the, the, 
Matt Fraction didn't just go, I'm just going to do a Hawkeye story and it's going to be a bit funny and it's going to happen. He really experimented with what the medium could do. Like seeing uh, the dog's perspective on things, a whole story from the point of view of the dog. So and good. So good. It's just it so changed, clever. It changed how I looked at my dog. <laughs> like she she probably, and it, the way that you see the, the thought balloons of what the dog hears and all it needs to all the only words that it'll need to register to know what's what like i'm like that's that's so interesting because you you can kind of see it occur if you have a pet where yeah. key words or how they sound is the sig like it's it signals them right yeah. just like in that book yeah. it's so good <laughs> yeah that's a great pick that and it's funny you bring it up because I actually just gave I gave that to my wife around the time when we started this podcast as like a book club read and I said check this out like I feel you you can read this you'll appreciate it and you don't need to know much more about Hawkeye than what you know about him in the movie like that's really all you need to know for the most part yeah that's that's it I mean there are some people that have said he's not very true to the character like it, it almost dismisses a lot of his history like the guy led the West Coast Avengers team by that point, but he does almost come across like you're not even sure how he was how he's an Avenger almost in that series, especially one that's been an Avenger for a long time. But to me, it just didn't matter. It was like it was like when, I remember when they took Steve Rogers and went like, "Oh no, I'm going to go and live in the city and live in an apartment in Manhattan and live with the people and be among the people." And, and the, the stories that were kind of promised from that didn't seem to materialise that I can remember. Because immediately it's like, yeah, now I'm punching the Red Skull. The Red Skull's shown up, and now I'm like, yeah. Can we do some ground level? I'm living in an apartment. These are the issues that the people around me are facing. But this Hawkeye series does that. And it's very, you know, you, you don't see... I, I don't think there are any or many superpowered characters in it. There's uh, Madame Mask, but she doesn't have any powers. Um, I don't think that's a spoiler. Uh, yeah, it's it's very ground level. Um, so you could be reading a, a an indie book about an archer. It's not necessarily a superhero series. Yeah, um, and that's what's great about it as well. It's like this is it's a, it's a Marvel series, but it's not a big wham bam in your face explorerama. It's a really personal toned down story and again that artwork um, is similar in a lot of ways to the other stuff that we're picking I think it's, I was going to say it's, it's very kind of, toned down I was going to say it's kind of a maybe this will be sacrilege to say but it's it's in that same vein of Mazzucchelli yeah that, no, I totally agree that simpl- it's, it's simple in its complexity like it does so much without overdoing it where it needs yeah. to right like so much story is told, but you don't need to count how many, you know, rivets are in the side of the boat. Like, that's not uh-huh. what makes, you know, and some people care about that stuff. They're, they're jerks. They'll go up to artists and say, yeah, you know, that's, <laughs> that, that gun is not accurate. And it's like, you, like, really? It's weird. But, yeah, like, you get so much value in, that, in those panels because of that. No, it's a, it's a good pick, yeah. and and you're right. You you don't need you don't need Avengers history to enjoy that story. Anyone could read that 
get an, this guy part of the Avengers. You've watched the movies. You kind of know what they are. Move along. Yeah. So cool how much story can be told in an apartment building. Really neat. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Very clever. And that would have worked even if it – maybe maybe I, I'm wrong, but I think that would have worked if it was just an image book. And he, Yeah, easily, yeah. And, and, you know, this was a guy who knew Invincible perhaps. And that's all you needed to know. That's, yeah, it, it literally lets someone in without having to know much of anything. I think even when they kind of do a villain reveal, you kind of go, well, a lot of people probably would go, uh, not sure who that is. But it doesn't matter. Yeah. Because the story is just so damn good. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot. And it moves. Yeah. It moves nice and swiftly. Yeah. Um. My next pick, I'm going to get into the superhero universes now. This is maybe, it's kind of going in line with your Batman Year One. Um, there's a lot of origin stories for this character, but I was trying to, I was down to two maxi series for this character as a one and done story that you kind of get what you need or what you'd want to see. And it was for Superman. So I was either going to go with All-Star Superman or Superman Birthright. Okay. And I went with Superman Birthright. So I haven't read that yet. Okay, well, so I remember people having, when it had come out, I was listening to some other podcasts where years ago they didn't think that it was a great Superman story. I think it, it's a, a really good Superman story in the sense that it takes a little bit of that Smallville feel where you need it. It takes... A little bit of that classic superhero, Superman, like Silver Age, but also it's an updated version of it. Kind of what Bendis did with uh, Ultimate Spider-Man. Uh-huh. It's like, let's, let's imagine if Spider-Man had the internet. Okay. You know, or so let's imagine that Clark Kent is a budding reporter who can travel the world and send emails. Like that's where he's a young man in this world. So it updates yeah. them in a in a interesting enough way that it, it brings them up to speed with us, keeps the elements of his parents being alive. So it's it's almost like a template of what the Man of Steel movie could have been. Okay. If it was a little bit more character built around Clark Kent. Right. If that I've makes kind sense. of erased that film from my memory, so Yeah. <laughs> there were no there was a lot of parts of that movie that I did enjoy as a lifelong Superman fan. I didn't hate it, but when I would watch it on subsequent uh, viewings, I realized that there just wasn't any character building of of this person that we're supposed like you. I feel the most interesting part of Superman is the Clark Kent side. Does that make sense? Do, do, from what, how do you mean? It's like the coolest part for me of Batman is when Bruce is talking to Alfred. That's the guy. Okay. Right? I like that's seeing... That's when you find out more about him. I, yeah. Like that's Batman and Bruce. Like that's the real person. He puts uh, on... That yeah, makes a lot of sense. Right? So I love seeing... Clark Kent in Smallville having dinner with his parents. 
Oh, right, right, yeah, okay. With his glasses off. Because uh-huh. he can. So if you build that up a little bit more for me as a reader, which I feel Birthright does, and it, and it uses all of those... It doesn't completely erase what John Byrne did. I, know, I, I don't think Mark Wade initially liked what John Byrne did, but he, it, it acknowledges a little bit of everything, kind of in the vein of what Jeff Johns was trying to do with Secret Origin, where he wants all Supermans to matter but mostly the Richard okay. Donner one. This one this one is like a it kind of is for me a, a Superman year 1. But on the scale of Superman, like he's going to fight the big fight at the end. Right. And Lenil Yu art, I mean it's it's different. Yeah, cuz of course like I mean <clears throat> it's one that I think is on my it's on my list to read, but I don't think I actually own it yet. Um, because of course I'm doing that, I'm doing that read through and I haven't hit that yet. And I haven't hit uh Jeff John's Secret Origin, uh, but I've got it. The only origin I've read I've read for Superman, the only origin type stories I've read are things like I mean, All Star's not an origin, is it? Well, it's, no, it's not. Um <clears throat> but it's the John Byrne Man of Steel and it's the um there was that other book that came out last year. Or the year before. I know I can't remember the title of it. It was really good, but it was how he becomes a reporter in Metropolis because no one ever really explained that. And that was really good, but I wouldn't recommend that as a first read. Thing. Oh, there are a lot of origins. But was it the um, American Alien? It was Man or Superman. Oh, yeah, that was good. Marv Wolfman. Yeah, it was, was good. good. That it was, was good. really good. Yes, yes, yeah. that was good. Uh, but there are so many, aren't there? There's so many origins. There's, there's another one that's escaping my memory now that I have read. Well, it was Man, Man, Man for All Seasons I read recently and I just didn't get on with it. Um, I, I was disappointed I was about that. Point. I was like, oh, he didn't like, I love that book. Yeah. I think sometimes I like Tim Sale, sometimes I just don't. Okay, yeah. I, I understand. Well, I remember when it had first, first come out and I'd seen it on the shelf, I was like, why does he look like, like you said, a loaf of bread? Um, <laughs> but I, I, I take that book I feel like what Jeff Loeb, we're on a tangent here, but I feel like what Jeff Loeb, because Superman for All Seasons was one I was thinking of, actually, to put on my list, because it appeals to that Smallville fan. There's a lot of people who enjoyed Smallville. TV series. Yeah. And that's kind of what they think the origin of Superman is. That's why I went with Birthright. But, okay. But um, you had brought up, uh, oh yeah, For All Seasons. It's one that the Tim Sale and, and Jeff Loeb, I feel, they, they do the fill-in stories that were left undone. So, like, Batman Year One, Long Halloween, Dark Victory. Yeah. That's how you read that. That was what uh-huh. happened, you know? And so I, I – and, and the same thing with Superman where John Byrne goes from the end of that issue number one and he jumps a couple years to Metropolis. This is that time in between. Right. For All Seasons gives you Superman yeah. year one in between that issue number one and issue number two or whatever. Like as you're reading it, they're like the fill-ins of okay. that time span to give you a little bit of context. Right. It's, it's funny because I think the things I've read about Birthright compare Birthright with For All Seasons. And that seems to – I don't know if they came out around the same time. I think but they, they were seem close. to be compared quite a lot. Okay, yeah. 
but people always go, no, for all Superman for all seasons is the one. And then I, I, I read it and went, I think I'm going to have more luck with this with Birthright. So that's hopeful though, that you've got it on your list. Yeah, just just for like a an intro to a, a character that a lot of people say, oh, he's boring. Um, you, like he's, there's nothing interesting about him. I think this does the cool balance of taking a powerful character, giving him a fight worth watching, um, in a way that's like, oh man, there is, there's more on the line here than just him losing a fight. Yeah. Uh, so I like, and it's Mark Wade. He really loves Superman. It comes through, right? When a guy really loves a character and they get a chance to write it, you, I always enjoy seeing them kind of do like. Let me show you how much I love this character to the best yeah. of their ability. But then he has those moments where you realize how tough it must be for Clark Kent when he's misunderstood and he has to hear people talk about him. <gasps> right? See, I've not read anything with that kind of and story that, in. Yeah, so I feel like for a person reading for the first time, it's it it's not aged enough to get you out of it yeah. or to push you away. If that makes sense. Okay. Because it's like Lanil Yu. Yeah. He's he's uh he's been contemporary for a while, it seems. Yeah, he has. Right? I think he's not my favorite artist, but he's been contemporary for a while, which is a yeah. skill. Kind of like yeah. a Stuart Eminem. Oh, I love Stuart Eminem. Yeah, he kind of always. I absolutely love Stuart Eminem. He's he's a he's a very cool artist. Yeah, because he could switch it up on you. Yeah, well, he t- he does that pared down stuff as well, doesn't he? Because like in a, a lot of the things, a lot of the things I've read with his art, he does that pared down style, and then he'll do something completely different. Kind of, like, who's drawing this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and then you read something else, and you're going, "Oh, who's this now? This is sort of familiar, but." How, what, he can do this. Yeah, right, right. Like you, he's, he's a, he's a special bastard. Right. And, and sometimes you, like the work that he did in, and this was almost on my list too for a Superman intro story, was Secret Identity. I don't know if you've read that. Kurt Busiek and Spirit Image? No, but no, I haven't. Very oh, interesting. No, I have. I have. <laughs> a long time ago. That was Stuart Eminent. And then, was Joe Emerson, and then yeah. he does like all new X-Men, which is so different. Yeah, completely different. And he did Hulk as well, which was veered into that kind of noir thing with, with Bruce Jones. Right, right. Um, completely different. Not many artists you like him. There's not many are I can't think of an, another artist quite like that. It's the funny thing of like with someone like Stuart Emerson, and I'll follow, even though I don't know what I'm gonna get, which seems a really weird reason to follow somebody. Yeah, but it's just always fascinating to see what he does. Yeah, I know he's 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 special for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. So Superman Birthright, Mark Wade being getting a uh, twelve issues to to retouch a overdone uh, origin story, but it's one that I feel I, I don't know. I feel it, it balances them all out pretty well. I haven't read it for a while, but every time I have read it, I'm like that was good. Oh, yeah. okay. I'm looking forward to reading that. I hope you like it. You never know. I, that's the thing. I usually, <laughs> face, I'm always yeah. like, I I hope you like could, it, oh either he's going to love it or he's going to say this is 
this is bollocks. And I'm like, oh, man. Because you did not like the Orion. You did not like Silver Surfer. But you loved Invincible. And I think there was another another series that you really enjoyed that I recommended you. So I'm like 50-50. So we'll see what happens. It's whatever made you catch me in. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next up for you. Okay. Um, on the subject of Mark Wade. Um, I surprised myself by adding in his Daredevil, which might seem a strange place to start because actually reading Daredevil, I should be saying Brian Bendis uh, on the Marvel Knights era of Daredevil, which probably makes more sense. So actually I'm a little bit torn. (laughs) It's either. (laughs) Good pick. Good pick because I've read more of the Wade Daredevil than I have the Bendis. I have all of the Bendis collected. I just haven't read it all. I know that's like, how could you have not read that? But I know how good it is. From what I've read so far, it's worth all the hype. And it was on my list yeah. over over the Wade one. The Brian, the Brian Michael Bendis Daredevil. It's just, I dare you to not turn that page. I Yeah. It's it's funny because you still see a lot of that whole bendish 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 bashing thing of like that guy's a hack he can't write like seriously go and read his Daredevil and tell me that again because no he probably shouldn't have, have stayed on the Avengers books and all that kind of stuff but like his his Ultimate Spider Man I thought was brilliant I know he has that thing that some people don't like in terms of the patter and the jokiness it's less so in Daredevil though um, and it feels very gritty and very real and that Alex Maleev art in, in the Bendis era as well just that's two creators going together um, and you, you can see that influence as well I think of like the, the, the Miller Manzucelli era because he did that story before he started Bendis started in what was it I think it was issue 26 of, of the Marvel Knights front Um but he did that story beforehand, which was a four-parter. So he did Daredevil Ninja, which was a three-issue miniseries, which just take it or leave it. Um, then he did this four-parter. I can't remember the name of it. And I think it was about an autistic boy who saw something to do with Leapfrog. And I just didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. So I wasn't really expecting much when he started Daredevil. And then when he did... Immediately, it's like this is kind of gangster, again street level. There's the occasional super person. It's so it's it like, have you did you watch the show? Yes, yeah. Did you like it? I did. Apart from the third series, I did like it. Yeah, it it because I especially the the season one, it really hits the marks of all of the best parts of what. Bendis and Miller were were bringing to that world like yeah it's so thorough and you don't know who's more to like who's more of the influence I guess you could say Miller because he really defined that character that other writers would follow but yeah so much of what what Bendis put in play it's it's there it is and it's it's that grit you know that scene in the corridor Right. If that was influenced by anything from the comics, to me, that would have been the, the Bendis Malieve stuff. You can see the the grit. You can see the broken glass in his knuckles. You can see that he's a man who 
gets out of breath. Um, he's sure he's got some powers, but he's not godlike. Yeah. Um, and he's massively fallible. I remember when um, when Bendis left the series and he was handing over to Brubaker, um, which again, that's, it's on a par. The Brubaker run is on a par with Bendis. Um, but he was saying, like, these are the top 10 hints to give to another writer picking up Daredevil to know how to write him. But one of the key points was Matt Murdock is a prick. Hmm. <laughs> and he's right. Because, like, he makes terrible decisions and you know there are a lot of people I, I watched some video the other day actually that was saying ultimately the heroes in the story are not very interesting you know the villains are the ones that make it interesting because the villains are the ones that drive it but actually a lot of Matt Murdock's decisions are what bad decisions are what drives the story he's almost his own villain right you know? and he kind of he screws himself over and he screws everyone around him over um but his intentions are, in theory, good. He's just doing it badly, you know? And it's fascinating to watch. And it's like with Born Again, where you saw his life fall apart. And that was, again, fascinating to watch. Hmm. They do that to a degree in the Bendis run. I think what's... Because um, Brubaker's run kind of bridges the gap to a degree. Then there's Shadowland, which is... It's awful. Um, <laughs> that's around the bush. Um, it was your facial expression that no one can see that you you were trying to it almost seemed like you were going to be fair about it and you just said it's just I think awful. I was. you were trying to be kind um or that it was misrepresented that was hilarious go ahead <laughs> I was trying to find something nice to say. I couldn't think of anything. Because um, when that ended as well, it's like that, I think the, was it the one shot or miniseries, that was the reborn, like, oh, this is just, this is painful to get through. Um, and then Mark Wade came along and it felt like the daredevil of the time before Miller came along. So it was back to that happy-go-lucky swashbuckling. And they even took him back to um, San Francisco. So basically, like, I can't exist in New York. I can still practice law in well, was it LA? No, San Francisco. Yeah, because he was in San Francisco in the seventy stories for for a chunk of it. Um, so it's like, okay, this was this is a bit jarring. I don't know if I can if I like this. It was good. And then after a while, I was thinking like, you're an, you're an idiot. What are you talking about? This is brilliant. <laughs> it's yeah. just different. Right. And it was what the character needed, really, because we've been through this grit and the darkness and the harshness to the point where we got Shadowland. So let's learn from that and then take it in a, a different direction or kind of go back to how he was in the early days. This guy can't live in the, in the gutters yeah. forever. Right. <laughs> no, yeah, it, it's true. And... So I, I'm not sure which pick you're going with, but I think that the right answer is both of them because you really can see the the diversity of the what the same character being true to the same character, how different life goes based on setting sometimes. Yeah. And neither of them are inaccurate in their depiction of Matt Murdock and the Daredevil character. <laughs> it's, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's, it's still him. Very interesting dichotomy of two very different runs that are of the same character, so different but equally as good. Yeah, dare dare to I say. 
it's weird to, to think that one informed the other, and yet it should be the, the other way around, in a way. It should be like the lightness came first, and then, then it goes dark, and this is where it all kind of starts to go wrong. But it's the other way around, and I, I think, to a degree, that's an interesting thing to see him then put... How does he pull himself out? When they did it in the, in the 80s, after Born Again, it was still quite dark, and it kind of stayed dark for quite a long time. I think oh, it yeah. pretty much did until the Joe Kelly stuff in the late nineties. And for unless, yeah, yeah, I'd say that's probably fairly accurate. So yeah, I mean, Wade took it took it more to the to the fun route. And I think like if you don't read the Bender stuff, or you just really don't want to, I mean, you're wrong. You need to read it. Um, but if you really, really don't want to, fine, pick it up from Wade, and you'll still get some incredible comics and some amazing stories. Um, so it's win-win. But I would recommend starting at Bendis and running through and keeping it to a bare minimum with Shadowland. <laughs> it's, you know, that that initial um, era when DC did New 52 and then Marvel did, uh, was it Marvel Now at the time? Just yeah, Marvel the, Now. They well, have... Um, yeah. That that initial that initial run of those Marvel books, they put out some really good stuff. Between mm. Daredevil, you just mentioned Hawkeye. I'm thinking uh, Miss Marvel. Um, that Jason Aaron Thor initially. That it, it was good throughout, but there was a lot of a lot of good stuff that they were giving a shot to. Amongst, of yeah. course, a lot of meh, so so things. Yeah, it, it like kind anything. of divided quite hard, and it was either one. It tended to be just really fantastic stuff or uh, why um, it was an interesting era but I, th- I think there are some people I know that, that have commented on stuff I posted from that era and they've gone this is when I just dropped out and I was starting to then but if you do go back you can find some gems and Daredevil is one of them easily yeah yeah both both Hawkeye and they're both your picks definitely good yeah. ones to start any collection off with because they're yeah. You don't need to be – the information dumps that you get are done in a way to make you laugh and move on. Yeah. It's really – it's done fair. really, really well. Okay, my fourth one. I'm going to go with the Marvel one now. Um, I found it a little bit more difficult with Marvel, other than Daredevil, to, to have a character where you can just jump in and begin. Um, so I went with, with an event, and that would be Civil War. Okay. I feel Civil War, um, the periphery that you you know from the movie universe, if you've seen any of them, is enough for you, yeah, to, for you, to, for you to read this and to, to get the gist of, of what – and you get a little bit more, I think, reason to feel strongly about a side – because you see more of the universe being affected. You're seeing families being affected by yeah. it. So I think, and, and so, and the art is very, again, easy to digest, easy to follow. The action sequences are powerful. You, you, the, the emotions that it, it's trying to evoke is accomplished. And I think you'll want to, you'll want to find out more by the end of it. You're like, I want to know what else is going on with Captain America. I want to know what the heck happened to Spider-Man after that, which isn't very interesting, but, but it, it takes you to interesting places. 
post-Civil War? It's actually quite an interesting choice because from a modern perspective, it's probably the modern Secret Wars in a lot of ways because Secret Wars did that as, as a standalone series that then led into other things that made you go, I want to know where that goes now. And a lot of event stuff doesn't do that as successfully as Secret Wars and Civil War. Because um, the thing with Civil War as well is you can read it as that self-contained seven-issue story and get, you know, it's a perfectly great story. But you can also show how comics, how mainstream comics work and that you can go, look, if you want to, I'll stick these Avengers issues in as well and these Captain America issues in and you'll start to see what a crossover feels like. Right. And that you can get enough of those in, that even if you added the, the Avengers issues and Cap and that was it, again, that would be enough. Um, but yeah, I think it's a really, because that was a really, that was a big jumping on point, I think, in the, the early, what was it, 2006, 2007, for a lot of new readers. I think it brought a lot of new readers in. So it would have been a lot of people's um, entry to, to Marvel or possibly even just to comics to find out what was coming on. Yeah, it's tre- it's treated like a, um, a really smart nexus point as opposed to a beginning or an ending. Like I feel Secret Wars from Hickman is much more of an oh, ending God. to a, a whole era in a way, as it was meant to be, in, in by I guess by design. But this, this one is more like, um, not Infinity Gauntlet. I think Infinity Gauntlet is a little too philosophical. But kind of one of those things that just happens in the middle of it all. Yeah. It and feels like an action. Actually, just to clarify, by Secret Wars, I did mean the 80s one, not the Hickman thing. I had an idea. I don't idea that, that at all. So, okay. That, that could be a conversation for a whole other time. <laughs> Not a fan of the Secret Wars by Hickman. No. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. We'll talk about it another time. Good tangent. Um, yeah, Civil War I feel is a, is is a good entryway to to see everyone you might be familiar with, to get invested in perhaps other stories along the way, because it does a really good job. Like you you really want to know what happens to the Fantastic Four after that story right like what happens to the family what what, what's the conversation they have in the kitchen after right (laughs) it works so i'm just thinking for myself as a person who wasn't a very in-depth marvel fan for me what's that one that's like that that good nexus point and the movies are kind of like that the civil war movie kind of stuck that landing yeah that was a great film that was that was a really good version yeah. As well. I think that's one of the strongest entries. And with that, it'd be interesting to see, actually, because like, when, when Civil War came out at the time, um, pretty much any chat room or anything you're in, chat room, wow, <laughs> showing my age, um, <laughs> everyone was just going, well, it's Cap, it's Team Cap, I'm Team Cap. You know? And no one seems to be supporting Iron Man. But it, it'd be interesting to see if new readers now who are more familiar with the films would just go straight to Iron Man because everyone just thinks of Robert Downey Jr. I think, you know, I, I said this, I think maybe I said this to you or to somebody else, but when you read that book, you say Team Cap. I don't, I can't think of many people who are not Team Cap. No. Okay. 
even when you watch the movie, for the most part, Steve Rogers is a much more likable person than than yeah. Tony Stark, right? Yeah. But when real life, like our real life unfolds, everybody is Tony Stark. There are not yeah. that many Steve Rogers in real life. Well, that's, that's the interesting thing, isn't it? Because it's the idealism. Like, as an idealistic point of view, you can't knock over Steve. But you know that Tony's he's right. He's just making the, the tough choices that no one wants to make. And as, as, a, as a, someone that owns a corporation, that's what he does. Right. It's, and that's the, that's the importance of that story is that there's a point both of them are making. And, and this is the, uh, another tangent. This is why I say you can't make the American flag character political. Because when push comes, th- that's why Civil War works. Because he doesn't take the position he's supposed to. So when yeah. they when when on our side of the pond, people are now making the art. Well, his his politics have always been left leaning. He's always you, that's the point. You don't know. No, you don't know. With Cap, he's the balance. He's the one who's putting the mirror to like. That's what makes that character so interesting. Is that he won't he won't say who to vote for. Ever. <laughs> and even when they try to get him to run for president, he says no. Was that Cap 250? Was it 250, I think it was? The it John was, Byrne, yeah, John, yeah, John Byrne and, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. That's still great. I still love that era. That is, it's yeah. really short. But, um, it, it, under, it was another good run that underlined who Captain America is, exactly. and that was one of those key stories where, yeah, he can't take a political stance. It's not about that. It's about the ideal. That's right. And I, and I think that a lot of, you see it today, and not to get into anything, but you just see today that there's a lot more people who are totally Tony Stark. And the ones who turn out, the ones who have that Captain America in them, not the idiots, but they're the, they're, they're, they're the villains. It's a very interesting thing when, when reality comes around the corner. Yeah. So that's why that story's a good one. It's a good one to reread. Whose side are you on? Oh, really? No, you're not. Why? Yeah. Um, you were thinking just to clarify, just just the core civil war. Yeah. So, yeah, and then see where you go from there. Yeah, because I think That's it's one a good of choice. Yeah, I think it's one of those ones that'll make you say, "Well, what happened with Daredevil the rest of that time?" I'm not. I don't yeah. even remember what era that was for Daredevil, but it makes that you. Was... Sorry, I'm just... Sorry, I can ask the question. No, 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 no. <laughs> go ahead. It was the Brubaker era when uh, Daredevil was in prison. So that's the thing, because Daredevil isn't Daredevil in right. the story. Right, right. And it was actually funny when I, I did a, an episode early on with my wife when we were doing this podcast. I got her to read Civil War. I was like, I want you to try to read a Marvel book. And see, and so she's the one who pointed out to me like, hey, how come I thought Daredevil was blind? How come he's like looking at people? And I said, you're really paying attention. Like, that's so cool because I didn't, and I had to look it up because I wasn't aware of what was happening in Daredevil during that era. And I said, that's Danny Rand masquerading as Daredevil. Very yeah. cool. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Now, look, what do you mean he was in jail? How did he get there? It takes <laughs> you down that road. Sucks you in. There you go. All right. Yeah. 
Is this your fifth one? I think it might. This is my fifth and final. Okay. And I'm still torn. I'm looking at three, and I'm still trying to pick. Okay. But I'm going to go, and not even from an expert point of view, because I've only read a little bit, um, but I'm going to go with Hellboy. Interesting. Okay. How come? Um, again, it's that, the simplicity of it, the accessibility of the artwork, those, the colour, the, the Magnola style. It's not a heavy read. It's not demanding on the reader. It just lets you know how comics flow. Right. Um, and it's not too much. And it's like, it's a fairly straightforward done in one. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. That was really good fun. And it's not like, yeah, you don't want to go right. Boom. Here's what well, you could go like. Boom. Here's the best thing there is. And then where do you go from there? Right. I'm not saying Hellboy's bad, but I mean, it's I wouldn't recommend it otherwise. But um, it's one of those things that is it's just so pleasing. It's a, just incredibly pleasing experience reading a Michael Nola comic, and that's why I'd go with as simple as that is. That's kind of the answer. That's why I'd go with Hellboy. Um, I've never read Hellboy. Well, admittedly, this is the weird thing. I've read the first three storyline, the four storylines, it's like the, the library editions, which are somewhere okay. in here. Um, no, you know, I read about the first two two books, the library editions, um, and I've stopped for whatever. I keep being getting interrupted, I think moving house and things like that have just so happened yeah, to have happened. Yeah, of course. And then you lose track. I think like, yeah, oh, I've, I, I lost track. I want to go back to the start again. So I've reread it a few mm, times. Mm, okay. But it's the, the use of the mythology as well. Because he's got Rasputin in there. He's got, there's a lot of Russian stuff in there, actually. Like Russian folklore creatures and werewolves. And it's, it's just, I mean, it, in a way, there's a lot of similarity in those earlier stories. Like where it'd be like, okay, this happens. And then this happens. And I'm going to punch things in the face with my giant fist. Um, but it's just so pleasing to look at. Like Magnola's, just even his his covers from this stuff and his his um, one off prints. You look at them and you're going, oh, it's such weird art. Yeah. Why is it so goddamn pleasing? Right. Why does it? You know, I see his 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 post. His, he did a print once and it was Hellboy with these tentacles appearing behind him and some other things emerging from the darkness. And you're going like, that's just cool. And it's just so accessible. It's inoffensive. <clears throat> it's pure adventure. And I believe as it goes on, it becomes a bit more in, you know, involved. Um, but I mean, those early stories, especially, they're just so accessible. I gotta, I gotta give I it a shot. I gotta give, I gotta give, I have digital copies of like, I think the whole series. I just gotta give them a shot because people, it's one of those, um, series kind of like people who are conan fans or people who are who are into a niche of a certain thing like they swear by it and no one ever says like ah it's not that good ah everyone is like oh that's good like of course that's that's mignola it's always revered always is it pronounced mignola Mignola, yeah, Mike Mignola. I, I, I always assumed it was Mignola, and then I changed it to Mignola because I'm trying to Americanize oh. it. What I assumed was Americanizing. No, no, that hey, Mignola. <laughs> we we butcher <clears throat> names here too. People, Mark Millar, Mark Miller. People don't know. Uh, I wasn't sure for a long time. I only found out a little while ago it's Miller. Is yeah, right? Yeah, I I don't I still don't Scottish know Scottish versions. Okay. Yes, 
it's, it's Miller, but I was saying Miller for ages. Me too. Um, but yeah, I mean, Mignola, Mignola, however you want to shake it. <laughs> it's, and and it's that just, character is, <sighs> is just the right character too for him. Like it's, his yeah. art really does what it's meant to do with that character. Almost like with Cliff Chang and the Paper Girls. It's like, only you should do that. Yeah. It's meant for it's, you. It's funny. I think there's some other people that have that have done some stuff. So I've got like Hellboy Weird Tales, which again, I haven't read yet. Cause like I'm, the thing that I find a little tricky is knowing what order to read it in. And I've kind of just set on this thing, like don't read BPRD and figure out where it sits in between. Just read the Hellboy story. Just read the saga. Because they've re-released it as well as a box set. I think it's this week it, it comes out. And it's just the core stuff. It's not even all the little other bits. It's the core stuff that takes you from the beginning to the end in one set. And you're good. Um, but you can read it with everything else. And if you want to, it's just trying to find those reading orders sometimes can be tricky. Right. So if you want to do the thing where you've got a universe, you can. Right. If you don't, you don't have to. Apparently, BPRD is brilliant. Like, and and then there's like Sledgehammer Forty Four, which is set in the World War Two era, and it's I think it's a, like a super team. A friend of mine read it. I still haven't read it yet. So there's all these other little extra bits. I think there's like a, there's a Rasputin miniseries, and but you don't you can, but you don't have to. And if right. you just stick to the main stuff, I think then it's pure pure Mignola Mignola. <laughs> quesadilla it's great <laughs> so that's what I would recommend like I mean that box set has just come out I, I want to read it now it, but you... I know it's going to be a beautiful thing to sit through oh, you see you you've convinced me to want to give something a chance that's the whole point of this it worked on me it's going to work on someone else <laughs> fingers crossed yeah Mike. some Mike Mignola <laughs> Um, my fifth pick, I'm going to go again with a, with an indie book, a little bit more, um, adult age appropriate. I've just recently read it, but I think if, if anyone does go for this, you gotta get the deluxe edition of Lady Killers. Yeah, that was good. Lady Killers is 10 issues of just, I feel perfection. It's violent. It's about a, a housewife assassin. It's got this element of Kill Bill mixed with Mad Men and Marvelous yeah. Miss Maisel because it's also comedic. And it's got a little bit of James Bond or Man from Uncle. Like it is, it is a cool book. And the, the character design, the world design, all of the little details within the homes, it's just a feast for your yeah. senses. It is a. I I would recommend it to anyone who wants to read a an engaging comic book story. That one's good. Like I dare you not to turn the page. So that's a really good shout. I, I was shocked that one. That was on a <clears throat> that was on a wish list of mine for a long time. And often with with my wish list, like I like if I don't get this thing now, it'll shoot up in price, and then I can't buy it. So I'll just go, screw it. I've done my wish list for Christmas. Now I'm going to buy all the books. <laughs> um, whereas that one was sat there for ages. And and my wife got it for me, I think for Father's Day. And I thought, like, okay, this is cool. I've got a whole thing now because it was a library edition. And um, oh my God, I was just so shocked at how good it was. It was just pure, 
mindless, but not mindless fun. It was like it was. There's so many levels to it, and it's almost this point. I think when it ended, I think I remember trying to write a review for it, and just going, "I can't. I don't know if I can explain why that was so good." Yeah, but it just it hits something. It hit a few notes, I think. It, yeah, and and again, I think there's something to be said as well about. I mean, for guys like us, people like us, who appreciate the book production like that is yeah. that's that's an example of the book production and and you holding that tangible item adds to the experience for some reason yeah, there's completely. something to it that you can't you just love it in this format there's no other way to read it but this way yeah the thick pages the rich artwork it's oversized even bigger than an omnibus like there's just but it's a little smaller than an absolute. Like it's a very interesting. I think so. I've actually got it within reach. I've always got it within reach. There you go. Yeah, it's a really nice size, and it's just it's really pleased. But you're right; it's those thick pages, the little um, got the book it, marker the, the with bookmark, it. Like, yeah. And it's Joel Jones, man. What a what a. Joel Jones. Oh. After reading this, I wasn't familiar with with her work. But also, that's a female creator with a strong female lead character. Excellent pick. Thank you. Yeah, I try. I tried to think across the board of things that are kind of like, other than maybe the Superman birthright, but it's like indisputable. Like this is across the board, a little bit of everything for for what you might find in this genre or this medium. Yeah. Pardon me. All the different genres within the medium. My alternates um, would have been something from Brewbreaker, maybe like the Fade Out or Velvet, where you really get that sense of another type of story you can tell that are very different from anything. Like just the the Fade Out storyline, like what a show that would make. Who wouldn't be talking about this show at the water cooler type of thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I want to read that again. That's a good. It's, I want to read it again. Yeah, and 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 it doesn't end with any sort of like, like the payoff to it. It's so interesting, and it's not this. Oh, I can't like yo. Oh, that was to make. It doesn't do that. But it's like yeah, yeah. That's it. That's the way it should be. Let's uh. watch that again. It's like a, a an experience. It's an experience. Brubaker stuff, I think it's a, it's a really good shout, but it's just so hard to know. I'm not sure what I'd recommend because I think the fade out is good, but I think it's again, it's quite it's what, is it heavy? I don't. I need to read it again. Um, but like Fatal as well, I thought was was fantastic, but I don't think I'd recommend it as a first read. Yeah, um, and also it's very. I don't know. I can imagine some people reading it going. This is really unpleasant. I don't. I don't want to. Yeah, it's a little bit on the dark, esoteric side, where someone yeah. can get unco- feel feel uncomfortable with it, perhaps. But I feel like the fade out. It, it really deals with that little Hollywood history that we all kind of are intrigued by, and we all can't help but learn a little bit more of the dirty secret, even though we're oh, it's, uh, it's so disgusting. But we want to know what. But did that really happen at the party? It it yeah. it. Does all of that sort of thing for you? All of the little scandal in it, 
So I was thinking of of something like that again for an adult reader to mm-hmm. kind of realize what the what this medium can do that kind of does better. Oh, one more just because I see it on my shelf and I don't want to forget. It goes in line with your Daredevil with um, Wade Insomni, which is Black Widow. Black Widow from Never Wade. Read that. It, it it's really 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 good. I would I would give that a, a, and again I could be it could be a lot of hyperbole, but I would give that a classic rating, as far as yeah. because it's it's Wade getting out of Somni's way to tell the story. It's got again that sort of same same swashbuckling vibe that you get from the Daredevil work, but also that real psychological aspect of black widow like it could have been the movie and it's 12 issues and you're you you get it all it's it's a really good story from in my opinion i think that was post um hickman secret wars so yes it was one of those oh, geez, it was it was a nightmare to use now sorry no it's no not problem selling the marvel app i'm literally just i'll just nip on quick and stick it on my i can't i can't use it they've changed the app and i can't I <laughs> <laughs> Watching you give up in real time, that was hilarious. Like, I can't. I can't do this. I just can't. This is a shadow land of apps. It's just horrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I'm calling it that from now on. <laughs> yeah. Um, you had alternates. Sorry, I took the spotlight of alternates. You go for it. No, did you finish your alternates? Yeah, yeah. Those are my alternates. I have two. I have three. So I'll try and keep it short. One was the one that was always on my list, which was Preacher. That was that series got so many people I know into comics. I don't know. I think by modern standards, it's probably more offensive now than it was then. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. So that's why I. It's it's a bit trickier, Preacher. So I think you kind of have to know someone really well before you recommend it. Yeah. And maybe explain the history a little bit. Um, uh, weirdly based in part on on the hits I get on the Marvel Comics Guide site the page that gets the most hits is the ultimate Spider-Man reading order more than anything else it gets tons um, and I do in terms of recommending Spider-Man and, and continuity free Spider-Man even though I don't think the, the first storyline is particularly good yeah. Um, the second storyline is, like, yeah. it's funny and, and it's heartbreaking. And, and once it gets it, going, once that series gets going, yeah, it's kind of like, like the confrontation with the kingpin was yeah. was the moment that made me go, "This is going to be awesome." Yeah. Um, and I think that was about issue twelve or something. I think when, when they did that confrontation, yeah, um, and I, it was just not what I was expecting I won't spoil it it wasn't what I was expecting and it made it even better it's Brian Bendis again of course then it goes up it does the run ends because Peter eventually someone takes the mantle right um, but it's such a good consistently good comic there are bits where it, it does even when it dips it doesn't dip low it's still really good stuff yeah but when it's great it's it's fantastic as Stuart Eminem again um, takes over from Mark Bagley. Mark Bagley um, 
when he leaves the series after what 106 issues Bendis and Bagley did together or something like that yeah they did quite a bit yeah can you hold um, oh there. yeah my wife just walked in I thought there was a burglar in my house <laughs> Oh, and, I, and my dog is beside me and she's not reacting to any noise and I'm thinking to myself I should probably get up and be a responsible adult and I'm keeping this in the episode so continue with Ultimate Spider-Man <laughs> why are you loading that gun? <laughs> Daff J everybody if you listen to the show you know who she is <laughs> you know you um if, if, if I may interject for one second, Ultimate Spider-Man was yeah. one of those series that um, I, I jumped on and I just read voraciously. I just loved it. And I was saying, I was, it was one of those things where I learned a lot about the Marvel Universe through the Ultimate Universe first. So when I went back uh-huh. to it, I'm like, <clears throat> excuse me, oh, that, okay, all right, that's who Kitty Pride is and... Don't confuse it for where you th- where you think you know her from, but it, it it really was one of the best things of the Marvel of the Ultimate Universe. I love that series easily. Yeah, I mean, even when it stops, because um, Ultimate obviously screwed every other title, but Spider Man, Spider Man was still really really good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was just consistently great, and and. I'm glad it exists. I have the whole run in hardcover and I'm super chuffed with myself because it's really hard to get in that format now. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I love it. I want to be able to let my kids read it. It, it, um, is, a, it is a great it, entry entry book for kids, Ultimate Spider-Man, for sure. Yes, yeah. With the possible exception of where he calls the shocker the vibrator. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that, but that's good. That's a good one. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was that was very close, and there's still part of me thinking I should have put that on instead of something, but I don't know what. Um, and the only other one was Revival, just because I love Revival. It's an amazing series. I just don't know if it's an entry series, but it's, you it's a fantastic talk about it. crime series. I love Revival so much. Haven't read it. I, I, I'm i going to pick it up because um, your recommendation, I remember you putting it on my uh, on an Instagram comment where you're like, you got to read this give that a shot when someone's so adamant about it you're like okay that that came out of nowhere and they mean it that that, <laughs> that request yeah um trying to th- there are quite a few things when you when you really sit back and think about it but you you never know which one will be too much of a tough pitch to somebody because do they have to stick around for, oh you gotta wait till you get to issue 12 that's why i didn't put invincible I was thinking about Invincible because there is a point yeah, in Invincible same. where you're hook, line, and sinker, and you're in. You need to know what's happening next with that book. But yeah. you got to get to, like, issue 12. And for me, it was 36. Okay. There you go. So it was it was late, and that was because you, you made me. Um, huh. <laughs> and I'm glad you did, but it was I nearly gave up. Yeah. So it's a weird one to recommend... When I know that, I mean, for me, it was a struggle, not as much as it was for some people, obviously, have gone, how can you not, how could, how could you not like it until now? But yeah, well, I did like it, but then it just dipped and you've kind of got to hang in there for a bit when it's like, this is a fairly standard superhero story now for a year or so. Um, I think that pace could have been a little bit better. So when you... But yeah, there's a lot there. When you, when you read a full collection... 
uh, or when you get a full collection to add to your shelf, do you read something in from issue 1 to 50, no interruptions, or do you say, I'm going to read 20, finish at this arc, read this, give like break it up, or how do you prefer to do it? It depends. I mean, where we're talking about paper girls, I sometimes think like the mood's going to take me in different directions. So I'll have a pile of stuff. Yeah. And I'll go, I'll pick what I fancy right now. And even if I'm loving something, I might go, I want to relish it. I don't want to just blast through it. I want to relish it. But then there are times like with paper girls, I read that in about four days in between trying to be a parent and right, trying to have right, a job. Right. Um, that's what yeah, you did. I mean, I read that. Like that was your, yeah, that was your it was hobby. So good. Yeah, yeah. But other things like I'm reading low, and I've read the first, the equivalent of the first trade paperback, and now I want to break because it was okay, a bit less than okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I want to break, and I want to if I try if I try and push myself through it now, it's going to annoy me. So I'll take it. I'll take time out. I've got ultra mega calling me um Hmm. i desperately want to read that so yeah yeah, so why would i fight that urge so like i think it's just a case of do you know do what takes your fancy at the time and it's like you say though as well like when you think about how to recommend a book for someone you really have to think about what they like so when i recommended i was given preacher out like right. it was just free money just right, destroy right, my right. copies of preacher please and then gave it to someone who loves disney films and I, I, I think i broke her and i feel really bad about it to this day she just yeah. kind of looked at me as if she'd been on the most horrific fairground ride of all and like it was all going to come back up yeah oh <laughs> um, yeah, yeah just that's take it, just take it. <laughs> and that's the thing right there's there's a in this list it's it's not necessarily a reflection of these are the best stories ever but they are good enough or they're very good to begin and enjoy and they'll stand the test of time in many ways. Yeah. But I look at my shelf and I think, you know, if I were to, if someone wanted to read Black Panther, what would I recommend? Well, I, for me, it would be Christopher Priest, but I don't know if you've never read comics before, if that's a place to start reading comics because it requires a little bit of, it's almost like you don't teach a person to play video games on a really difficult one, if that makes sense. No. Yeah, yeah, makes perfect sense. And I feel like once you appreciate comic books, Christopher Priest will be a different type of writer for you. But you kind of got to build to that, if that doesn't yeah. sound too snobby. No, I think you say, you say you don't, you're not open with Grant Morrison. No. I can't think of, I mean, with the possible exception of something like We Three, which I think is a really nice comic. Like, hey, that's my wife to read. And she went, I don't know, what? <laughs> Okay, but this didn't work. I thought that might be a good grammar. Okay, let's try and find something else. Um, excuse me, it's a little bit bungy. You know, um, you know what it's kind of like. It's almost like you're not going to recommend if you're going if you're going to recommend music to anybody. You start with the Beatles, right? If you, you at some point, like it's a good baseline to start, and then you kind of see you where you might be talking you. to the wrong person. Oh, really? <laughs> You're not I a hate the fan. Beatles. Really? Yeah, I really, really don't like the Beatles. Rolling they really wind me up. Some Rolling Stones stuff. Yeah, but I, I don't own any. But I, I take the Rolling Stones over the Beatles. Okay. 
Well, there you go. I'm completely wrong with my example. But I just feel like at, <laughs> at some point, <laughs> the guy who doesn't like Watchmen doesn't like the Beatles. Surprise. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> the pattern, the pattern's starting to fit together now. Oh, it's uh, popular and you hate it. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, anyways, this has been, uh, this has been a good time. I love I love these lists that we do, and I want to uh, explore that idea that you had about like getting into more specific areas of the universe. Is be like if you want to get into this team, this character, what's the route? What's the reading order? Yeah. People love reading orders in a way. They do love reading orders. You're the man. Don't I know it? <laughs> You're the man. Okay, let's do that. Let's let's make our next one a Marvel Comics Guide centric reading order Ooh. of um we'll pick a character together i'll let we'll you pick, pick a it. character yeah oh god it, do you know what it might be best if you pick the character okay Would it, yeah we'll talk about it okay okay yeah Sounds i'm just intrigued to see who you choose i think that's funny. yeah yeah no it, we'll make it good maybe it'll be a team um thank you buddy for doing this i i love uh podcasting thank you. You. it's always a blast uh thank it's you it's a lot of fun it's just, yeah, love it. Makes me happy. Everybody follow uh, Dave on his different pages that he's running. You have the Winchester Meat Cleaver comic review, uh, all Marvel Comics Guide on Instagram, Facebook. Anywhere else? Or is that enough of your... Of your uh, that'll, that'll cover it. <laughs> all your pseudonyms <laughs> and, and fake Facebook pages. There's so many out there. <laughs> we can't give them all away. Right, many. <laughs> Uh, thank you everybody for listening to the cave of solitude stay tuned for more episodes more comic chat and more guests uh rate and review us on itunes and all those different platforms take care and be safe everybody